I don't know how else to express this. I'm so angry. I don't know how else to get this out. And the way that she feels like she's fixed the problem and gotten it out is by killing the person. Hello and welcome to the Feminine as Fuck podcast. I am your host, Monica Yates, the period whisperer, a trauma healer, and an embodiment coach for both men and women. Well, obviously, periods just for women. I am a double Sagittarius, a rising Gemini, an Enneagram 8, and a generator. I know, it's a lot. I'm here for it. I help women to get into their magnetic as fuck feminine energy and for men to feel ecstasy and intimacy. In these episodes, I love to talk about things that people are thinking but too afraid to say, as well as educating you on everything that I know in this brain, body, and soul of mine. You can find all the ways to work with me on my website. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. So firstly, I just want to say I have the best fucking intentions of... um. <clears throat> Throat chakra. Um, I have the best fucking intentions of recording my podcast for YouTube, but it's just too fucking hard. I just can't be bothered. And frankly, I don't need to do it. So I'm not doing it. The end, I really have tried for so long and like maybe one day I'll get into the hang of it, but it's just like so much work that maybe these YouTube people, I mean, these YouTube people, that's their life, isn't it? They don't have three clients a day or four clients a day plus a business meeting, two dogs and are then trying to do a YouTube video slash podcast or whatever. That's like their whole life, just their podcast or just their YouTube or whatever. So I have to kind of like remember that. So maybe sometimes you'll see it on YouTube. Maybe sometimes you won't. I recently did a podcast episode. It's two ago where I said that it was also going to be on YouTube. Well, guess what? When I recorded it, this is like how much I suck. When I recorded it, um, it was connected to my Bluetooth AirPods and they were like at my desk and I was sitting like on one of the seats in my office. So you couldn't hear me. So I was like, well, that shit ain't going up on Instagram. I mean, on YouTube. So anyway, here we are, whatever. It's all good. It's currently full in New York, but it keeps changing between fucking summer and winter. So I can't, they can't figure the fucking weather out here. And uh, it looks like the ski season is going to be a banging one this year. That makes me very fucking happy. But for now, for this episode, we are talking about the new season of the terrible show, You. This new season was fucking appalling. Like, I'm sorry, I got bored. I kept picking up my laptop to do work at the same time because I was like, this is fucking boring. It was just it was just a disappointment. I think we can all agree on so many levels. It was a disappointment. And it was just like, it got to the point where I was like, can people stop dying? Like, it just got annoying. I was like, why does she keep killing everybody? Like, I know why, but like, it was just, it was just really fucking weird. Anyway, so not a fan of the show anymore. Um, if a new season comes out, I'll probably watch it as one of those shows where like you watch it and do something else at the same time because like it's fucking boring and nothing's happening. But like, I'm not invested in it by any means. Honestly, couldn't care less. And that gruesome scene at the end of him chopping his toe off, like I just didn't need that. I feel like that fucking traumatized me for the rest of the day. And it was just so, it was disgusting. And like my nervous system was just like jacked after that. I had to really meditate and bring myself back down. Anyway, I think what I'm going to do, I'm not going to say I will because you never know fucking know with me. You know, I just change my mind every 10 seconds. So what I think I might do is go back and uh, watch season one and two and then give like a further breakdown on those seasons because they had more like love bombing, anxious attachment styles, like more things for me to talk about. This one was just like these people were fucking psychotic. 
so like most of you hopefully listening to my podcast are not psychotic therefore if I walked through a psychoanalysis of, of these people none of it were like none of you guys would relate to it you'd find it boring so um I think I'm gonna go back to do that season one and two but I did see on on Netflix's Netflix as well Goop's coming out with a new show about helping people to like uh like re-spark their their sex life and feel more ecstasy and I'm like ooh, so I'm gonna watch that show and then I might do a podcast on that um or a few episodes on that and I'm like, can the new fucking Sex in the City comes out? Come out. I want to do a podcast on that, but I definitely could do a breakdown of every of every um, character in Sex in the City because they all have their own fucking traumas that I could definitely be talking about. But for now, let's talk about you. You season three. Um, I feel like that poor guy, whatever his name is, well, Joe in in um, you and what's his name in Gossip Girl? Dan, yeah, Dan. I'm like, this dude is all-round psycho, isn't he? I've actually seen him before in New York. Um, he was in the same cafe that I was in. Like, good-looking guy, but I would not want to be painted as all these crazy characters that, like, stalk people and whatever. Because, like, in Gossip Girl, he was the fucking stalker, right? Like, he was the Gossip Girl. Anyway, wild. So, what was I going to say? From season one and two, um, what I didn't like about it was that it really exacerbated the... Uh, it really exacerbated this, like violence towards women and the fact that like quote unquote men aren't safe and it further makes women afraid of like men and trusting men and all that jazz because like he comes across to these women as such good men as as such a good man that it can make a lot of women watching if they're not very careful it can really seep into your subconscious where you then start to worry of like is this a fucking joe situation that i'm getting into now obviously in season three it was just violence for both men and women like if i was a dude i would and now also proliferates the um societal norm of women are crazy quote unquote because she's fucking batshit crazy uh, i will definitely say that she is fucking batshit crazy so like all in all i just feel like the show can be very, very damaging for people that already believe that like relationships are psychotic and that women are crazy or men are stalkers and they're not safe. Like it's just going to, it's going to prove those beliefs right for those people. So I don't like TV shows like that because it just, I mean, I know why they're there. It just continues to add to the media story. I mean, in fucking episode two about the measles, I'm like, are we fucking serious? Like, are we serious? That pissed, that made me so fucking angry, that that episode. Like, that pissed me off. I wonder how many people stopped watching after season, episode two and season three about the measles and the anti-vax stuff. Um, I wonder whether with Netflix, when they look at the stats, whether there was a massive drop off and I fucking hope there was the only reason I didn't drop it off was because I said that I was, I said that I was going to do this for you guys. So I kept watching, but if I wasn't going to do this episode or these episodes, I wouldn't have kept watching because that pissed me off so fucking much. And I don't support people that put out that kind of like extreme information, whether you're extreme, anything. No. Um, okay. So let's start going through the the season. So I've kind of written a bunch of notes that I'm kind of going to go through and expand on. This might be like a two-part or a three-part podcast. We'll see how long I kind of riff on for, but I'm not doing it like the sex life one where it was like two TV episodes to one podcast episode, because 
I feel like some of the episodes, there was just nothing happening besides people dying. And there was nothing for me to talk about besides these people are fucking crazy. Anyway, so obviously, hopefully you can all figure out that, that Joe is a bit fucked in the head, as is Love. So Joe is the Gossip Girl guy. Love is the wife, right? Then we also have Natalia, who was the next door neighbor. And then we have, oh, wait, what was the, um, what was the librarian's name? Hold on a second. You cast. I just want to check so we can just make sure we have all the characters' names. Oh, wait, is, I didn't know Shay Mitchell was in it. Maybe for one of the other seasons. Okay, season three. Hold on a sec. Okay, so Mary Ann was the librarian. Theo was the kid next door. He was a fucking cutie. I feel like we, we all became trauma bonded to him because we all wanted to save him. Lol. So we can talk about that. Okay, so um, let's go back to my notes. Oh my God, what is that disgusting ad? Ew, 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 ew. People are like peeling their fucking nails off. Oh, Jesus Christ. Man, some of the fucking ads these days. I'm like, what is going on with the world? Okay, so hopefully we were all able to figure out that um, Joe was a bit crazy and Love is a bit crazy. So with Joe, it's very obvious from his childhood that he was abandoned and watching his dad abuse his mom, whether it was his dad or whether it was just like his mom's partner, abuse his mom means that he is constantly on a search for love with a passive woman that he can make feel safe and that he can kind of control because when he was a child, he wasn't able to make himself feel safe and he wasn't able to protect his mum. Therefore, he's now overdoing that as an adult. So a very common thing, well, basically what happens with like inner child wounds is that you will either act out the exact same as your parent or the complete opposite. So let's say, for example, that your mum smothered you, you'll also be a smotherer or you will be completely opposite where it's like, no one fucking touch me. Um, until you've done the work to heal it, where you come into a happy medium. We want to be in a medium with everything in life. We don't want to be an extremist with anything. We don't want to be extreme don't touch or extreme smother. We don't want to be extreme, like angry or extremely numbed out and passive. We want to be like a healthy balance, if that makes sense. This is all of us, men and women. So him being in control makes him feel safe. Now he's on this search of being in control and he's on this search of being able to protect a woman and fix a woman because it gives him the illusion of I'm now safe. It like fills this void that he has. He has this void in his body that he's trying to fill. And a lot of us have this void. A lot of us have this void. Let's say, for example, your dad left when you were young. So you have this void of filling it, whether it's you fill it with a fucking male mentor or whether it's that you fill it by basically marrying your dad, you can constantly be on this search of trying to fill this void. And when you then have quote unquote filled it, it gives you this illusion of then I am whole, I am safe, I am loved, blah, blah, blah. That is the quest that he is on essentially. And the quest that love is on is to feel like she is enough and that she's seen and that she's loved because she didn't feel that from her mom when she was a child. Now, he wants to feel like he has the power because again, when he feels like he has the power, it makes him feel safe. 
when he feel like when he feels like he's not protecting the person that he wants to protect, he spirals because it triggers his inability to protect his mum, which is why you'll see, and probably more so in season one and two, when he has these like rage blackouts and his eyes are bursting out of his head, that's him spiraling and getting triggered of him not succeeding at what he wants to succeed at. Now you can put that into any scenario in your life when you don't feel like you're succeeding at something and then you spiral and absolutely flip out, um, which is not a reasonable response at all, right? So he wants the one, quote unquote, so that he can no longer, he no longer feels abandoned and alone. And he's constantly on this search for the one, but his idea, and you should listen to my trauma bonding episode if you haven't already, his idea of the one is essentially a passive woman that will, that will always give him what he wants. He will never be looking elsewhere, right? She will always do what he wants and he'll never be put in a difficult situation. That's his idea of the one. Basically, it's a trauma bond is all it is. He's constantly on a search for the biggest trauma bond of his life is basically what it is. And he has to try and not kill her. So that's a never ending search because trauma bonds never really end very well. Um, And so he constantly feels abandoned and alone, which is why he keeps searching, which is why he keeps searching. Okay. So that's kind of like Joe in a nutshell with like episode one. Now, obviously like they get married next Y and Z because his child is on the way. And that's a very like normal male thing for men to do of I now need to provide and protect because there is a baby here. Now, when you add in a female baby, it's to a whole other level. This is my daughter. I really have to protect her. That's why he was disappointed when it was a son because one, he made up this whole fucking thing in his head of protecting his daughter because it's just a mini version of his mum. right? He now gets to actually be the man of the house. So when it's a boy, he feels disconnected because he's just after he's longing to protect his mum and to feel loved by his mum. And he's hoping that this daughter would have given him the love that his mum never gave, gave him. Um, cause you gotta remember like his mom fully rejected him as a child when he shot the guy. Um, and it wasn't like his mom died or anything. His mom like gave him away to a home. So he was fully rejected and fully made to feel like I am not enough. I am not loved, blah, blah, blah. And so he, the thought of having a daughter, it's like, well, this daughter will love me. I'll be enough for her. And I can protect her in a way that I didn't get to protect my mom. Just fucking put this into your own life and see how much you do this with men and women. Just saying. Um, Okay. Then we go to this party in whatever that, I can't remember whose party it was, but there was that party in the kitchen area and the bitching in the kitchen area and X, Y, and Z. And then Natalie, the next door neighbor that Joe sleeps with, um, then says to love about like being authentic and then it like makes it makes her feel uncomfortable like it triggers her x y and z so on this too many women too many women hear these snarky remarks and they don't stand up for themselves because of the fear of rejection now the fear of rejection is a real biological thing and the reason why it's biological is because women 
have a biological response to fear of being alone because if we are alone, we will die because we are not as strong as men. We do not have the same hunting capabilities as men. Our nervous systems are not made for endless hunting and fighting and blah, blah, blah. Like men, we have a cycle, which means that our nervous systems are a lot more sensitive because we have to bring a life into the world. We don't have to, but we, our bodies are made for that. And I know it's like politically incorrect to say our bodies are made for that, but our bodies are made for that. That doesn't mean that you have to make a child. That means that's what our bodies are made for. So it's just important to recognize that instead of like trying to be something that your body can't actually be in a healthy way. Anyway, so when women feel this fear of rejection, they will do anything they can to avoid it. And that can mean putting up with the snarky remarks. It can mean trying to fit in. It can mean being fake to then quote unquote fit in, putting on a facade because when they feel like they're a part of a group, they feel safe. And as soon as they feel like they're rejected, they feel threatened. And the literally a fear of death comes up is actually what happens. Now, your brain isn't saying to you in this, in a kitchen, in a fucking bougie house, oh my God, I'm going to die. Your brain is just having a full on fight or flight response. But the deepest root of it is I will die if I do not have a community because a community of women allows you to be much more protected because we are, we are safer in the masses. Men don't have the same thing. Obviously men are safer together as well. Duh. If there's a fucking tiger running after you, I'm pretty sure if there's 20 men on the tiger, it's going to feel a lot fucking better than one man on the tiger. But in saying that men still do not have this same emotional reaction like women do. Now, men can still have a fear of rejection, a thousand percent. That's going to come more so from a wounding than a biological space. Women can have the wounding response and the biology response. Every woman has the biological response. And then there's women that can also have the wounding response of being rejected by their parents or being bullied at school or whatever it is that adds a layer to it. And then men don't have a biological fear of rejection, but they do, they can have a wounding fear of rejection from their childhood, if that makes sense. Um, so the bitching at the party, that's a biological response of love's desire to just fit in. Like, oh my God, I'm just going to fit in. I'm just going to fit in. And then the blonde next door, Natalie says, Sherry Conrad is a terrible person, but if you don't want to be lonely, you basically have to suck it up. And I just want to make you all realize and make it very fucking clear that even if you had four girlfriends, quote unquote, you can still be lonely. You could have a fucking contact full of a hundred people that you know, but you can still be lonely. It's actually a red flag for me when people have like a million and one friends quote unquote, cause I'm like, why do you need a million friends? Like, that's not to say that they're, that they're wrong for having a million friends, but it's just always raises an eyebrow for me because it's like, if authentic people, deep, authentic people know that they cannot have deep relationships with a hundred people, but they could have lots of acquaintances. They bump into people on the street. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. But they don't know the person's fucking middle name and the town they grew up in but they've got 10 friends or or five or three really deep friendships. And what's really important is that having a hundred friends that you know on a surface level does still can mean that you're lonely. So you are better off having one friend that you know deeply than a hundred friends that you know shallowly or on a shallow level would be a better way to say it. Um, And you are going to feel more lonely having 10 surface level friends 
right? Than having no friends, but knowing yourself deeply. You won't have no friends forever, but you can go through phases. I'm going to do an episode on this about sisterhood wounding and having a business and X, Y, and Z. But I've gone through that phase before where you have no fucking friends, but you do that because you're not settling for half-ass friendships that just bitch about you behind your back because that says more about you, right? And what's really important to understand is that not feeling supported by your friends will actually elicit a trauma response because when you don't feel socially supported, it actually stops your body from being able to let go of any past traumas. A really key component component of trauma healing is having social support. And if you don't have that, it will stop you from being able to feel safe 100% um, in your environment, if that makes sense. Quick little interruption, guys. If you have not gotten my bundle, my Feminist Fuck bundle, there is an amazing masterclass in there about attachment styles and not just understanding them. The podcast episode is about how to is understanding them. The masterclass is actually about how to heal your attachment style so that you can feel more secure. And the tools and the techniques in there and the modalities are honestly so helpful. And I use them in my own dating life and with my own situations. So I really, really recommend that you jump in there and do that masterclass if you haven't already not to mention there are a heap of other masterclasses in the bundle as well that would be really helpful for your journey and it's a really great starting point to kind of get a little bit more of my energy but I do want to also preface that 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 content in there is much more like teaching and me talking versus queen alchemy one-on-one stuff the one-on-ones in baba the group calls in baba are deeper healing it's not very much talking and teaching it is a lot of modalities a lot of tears a lot of shaking a lot of trauma release so just please know that like when it comes to those more self-paced things it is a lot more teaching journaling helping you to understand meditations but then when you do those higher level programs it's a lot more of the deeper healing work on a somatic and visceral level So I did love what Natalie said and it was true. Like authenticity scares her and authenticity scares a lot of people and it gets people to respect you. Like I love, so I think all the authentic people are the best people because you always feel like you always feel safe around them because you know that they're going to tell you what's up. You know that they are going to accept you as you are because they accept themselves as they are, because they are authentic. It means that they appreciate other people, even if they're not on the same, like into the same things. Like for example, um, like I, in my past have dated amazing men that are really, really authentic and they are into things that I'm like, at first I like raise a fucking eyebrow. I'm like, what? But, but what I love it after about 10 seconds of me realizing, because what it means is that they fully accept me for all of my, you know, crazy wacky things and my boldness and bouginess. And they never fucking even raise an eyebrow at it. And I always feel so safe around them because they are fully embodied in their authenticity. So you never feel that your brain, your ego never worries if are they going to judge me because like they're, they're into their wacky things and they celebrate them about themselves. They're not trying to fit themselves in a box where they would then judge other people that are also not in that box, if that makes sense. So 
Authenticity scares people that are insecure. Authenticity scares people that are not in their authentic self and when they are trying to be somebody else, when they are trying to shove themselves in a box. So when people feel intimidated by me or they're like, she kind of just like, I feel, when people say like, I feel like she's just intimidating or she thinks she's really cool. I'm like, no, I just don't give a fuck what other people think. And I'm just sitting here because I just don't want to be drunk like you are right now or whatever. Um, if I'm like, if I like meet new girls or whatever in New York, sometimes I can like get that vibe where they think that like, I think I'm so cool or whatever, because I'm like not drinking or I'm just like chilling and having a conversation with someone and they're like doing whatever they're doing. Um, and it's like, no, I'm just don't vibe with those kind of people because I can tell that they are inauthentic towards themselves and I trigger them. Um, and they think X, Y, and Z about me because I trigger their inauthenticity, if that makes sense. And then I'll meet people like this has literally happened this weekend, which is why I'm talking about it. Um, and then I'll meet other people that are like, so in their authentic selves. And we have these amazing long conversations about random shit. Um, because like they just love what they do. They love their life. We just like jam on random things and you can tell that they like respect me for my for my choices are things that I enjoy and I respect them for theirs. And there's actually a lot more similarities, if that makes sense, because we just vibe together because we're both being really authentic, which is the best friendships to have because you then feel so safe to be yourself around them. I'm sorry, if you do not feel fucking so safe to be yourself around your friends, then you need to ditch them. Um, okay. So then jumping forward, love kills Natalie. I mean, this is just fucked up. So we know that love grew up in an idyllic family, but we also, and we also know that she could never fully express herself. What this then means is that she has no emotional capacity or awareness to be with her own rage and anger and fear and expression and whatever it is. So what then happens, the result of it is, is that she has this bubbling up emotion, rage, insecurity, like abandonment wound that comes up when she found out that Joe was keeping that box on um, Natalie, which was also fucked up. So she kills Natalie because her thing is, is or her character is, I don't know how else to express this. I'm so angry. I don't know how else to get this out. And the way that she feels like she's fixed the problem and gotten it out is by killing the person rather than this is why I'm so big into like healthy expressions of anger and rage and that it's all important rather than being able to go and express her rage in a healthy way, if that makes sense. And her anger and talk to Joe and do all of that stuff. That would be a healthy expression of getting it out rather than killing someone, which I'm pretty sure you probably all already know. So I don't feel like I need to explain that, but that's, that is good. So think about it like when you're really horny and you just need to have sex or masturbate to get rid of the energy. That is what it's like for her, but with murder. (laughs) Now, what's really important is that, and I do this in Queen Alchemy and then even in the man, when you can learn to hold that energy you can then learn to hold a lot more energy. So you can then hold a lot more rage and your body and your nervous system feel safe. So 
she feels this overwhelming need to fucking masturbate basically. And so she will give into it rather than learn how to hold it. AKA she has this insane amount of rage. She gives into killing someone rather than learning how to hold the rage and express it in a healthy way. Okay. So the, what you could learn off that is maybe don't go murder people, but also about masturbation. Okay. Next thing to talk about. So with love, she is very impulsive and I did kind of love the therapist a little bit, not all of it, but at least in the therapy session, she was able to express. So we kind of knew, and this helped with my notes that she is impulsive and she thinks that it is fun to be impulsive. But the way that she is, is that it's to the extreme and her impulsiveness is like a trauma response rather than like spontaneity. So spontaneity slash impulsiveness in like a healthy way could be like, let's fly to Italy this weekend. Let's go out and dance all night. Let's make, let's watch a movie in the middle of the day. Like that would be like a healthy form of impulsiveness. Like let's just have a fucking sick day and run around the city. That would be a healthy form of impulsiveness. Her impulsiveness is let's kill people. So we don't really want that. Um, She's too to the extreme. Her impulsiveness is in a very dangerous way where she is so reactive that she doesn't think before she does anything. She literally blacks out with rage. She has no ability to run through her emotions, to compartmentalize and to think things through. She acts before she thinks, which is a dangerous thing to do full stop. Even if you act before you think in little ways, like a really common way of of something that I used to do, and I have to even sometimes watch out for this is I overtrust people. So I need to stop overtrusting people. I, I act in, in and everyone's a good person before I actually have time to think, number one. Another thing that I used to do also was that I would just like, just like jump into things before I thought about them. If a friend was like, we're doing dinner party this weekend, do you want to come? I'd be like, yes, I'll be there. But I haven't even looked at my calendar. I haven't even thought about what else I want to do that day. I haven't even thought about who are the guests, where is it? And I just say yes, because I want to be there. Not a people pleasing thing. It's just like an impulsive, like life is fun kind of thing without me even having thought about it. Or, you know, like, Hey, let's do a girl's weekend. Let's go here, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I'll be there. But I haven't even thought about what's my workload? Where are we going? How far is the drive? What time will we be home? What time will we be home? Who else is going? What will I do with the dogs? I haven't even thought about these other things. Like that's also impulsive. So even in like, I'm hoping none of you guys have the impulsiveness to go murder people, but even in those little ways, we can learn that like being impulsive is not always a good thing. If that makes sense. You also need to not just react in impulsive decisions, but also just think about it and then respond with still some spontaneity because spontaneity is a vibe and it's fun, but like not to an extreme level, if that makes sense. So she blacks out with fucking rage. Um, and that is because what I was saying before of her nervous system gets so overwhelmed and jacked up with this anger and bitterness and I am not enough and I am going to be rejected and nobody loves me and nobody sees me, nobody listens to me, that it's this, just think of it like this 
like massive black energy going like a wave straight up her body. And before she even has a moment to think, she kills somebody. You have to be able to train yourself to stop and pull yourself back in, compartmentalize compartmentalize and respond so you don't go around killing people. She needs to fucking do Queen Alchemy and a lot of other things, to be honest. Lol. Um, she doesn't need Queen Alchemy. She needs fucking a one-on-one and 10 of my events and God knows what else. Lol. Anyway, so it's no wonder though, because her mum seems to always have been putting her down for her choices. And it seems that she has a lot of bottled up rage. Man, if she did my fucking anger release or something, that would be a hazard. Like I think the whole fucking apartment would just break down or something. I don't even know whether the, the anger release probably would be a hazard. She would need to go to a break room or go like fucking do an anger release outside away from a lot of people. Anyway, lol. Um, I will say that the exercise, the exercise that the therapist gave was a terrible exercise. The what I heard exercise of like when your partner says something and you say, so what I heard is this, like the, what I heard is not the only thing to be saying because understanding the frustrations of your patterns and more importantly, your partner and working on their own frustrations, emotions, et cetera, is what actually needs to be done. So do you remember like the kitchen scene where she was like, she got really fucking angry and she's like, what I'm hearing is I can't even remember the fucking scene of what she said. She's like, what I'm hearing is X, Y, and Z. And he was like, that's not what I'm saying. And she was like, yeah, but that's what I'm hearing. It's like the, what I'm hearing like would work for a healed couple where they're not projecting their shit onto each other. But the problem with that exercise with them is that they are not aware of their own patterns and their own frustrations. They can't calm themselves down to then think about what am I being triggered about? And then like working on that and then saying like, this is what I heard. Cause very often like what you heard quote unquote is actually just you being effing triggered and you, you basically heard what you felt when that the first time that happened when you were a kid is what actually is generally the case. So that exercise was fucking terrible because what's really important is that you have to understand the frustrations of your own patterns. You have to understand your partner and you have to understand their frustrations, emotions, etc. That actually is what should have been done. Whenever I, and bottom line is whenever I have couples come to me, I have a rule that we have to do one-on-one sessions before couple sessions because working as a couple is honestly fucking pointless if you haven't both done the deep healing beforehand because all it turns into is um she said this, she said that, I heard this, I heard that, this is how you communicate. But it's still always like you're always going to hit this brick wall when it when it's just about like this couples and communicating if they haven't done the deep healing because it's still just a bunch of triggers and traumas coming up that like communication can't just fix because you will always be walking on eggshells then versus if both couples did the deep healing and then came back for a couple of sessions as a couple, it's generally like a few communication tweaks and then that they're actually like solid again because they've done their own in a work. It's like a prerequisite. All the couples that I've worked on, um, it's like they both have to have worked with me before I do 
sessions together and generally it'll be like a couple sessions together where it's just about communication if that makes sense and me kind of being like a mediator and being like okay so this is what you meant he hears this because he's a man when he says this you hear this so like understand she hears this when you say this what you mean though is this correct and she'll be like oh that makes sense and it's like okay so you to the man you actually need to say it this way for her to hear it like this and to the woman you need to say it this way for him to hear it like this then it's like oh I get it but that only works when both of them have done uh, that deeper worth right so I do like that the that the therapist was able to point out that fear of abandonment for both of them and that's what makes them act crazy and it is a protective way of them not breaking and crumbling but what is really important that was not mentioned is they are both control freaks And by them feeling in control, they have an illusion of I'm in control. They have an illusion of no one's going to abandon me. I am loved. I am safe. I am protected. But it's not actually the case, if that makes sense, right? So many people do this to themselves in different ways when they have a fear of abandonment. It could be that they keep playing out the same dating story so they're not surprised by it. It could be that they self-sabotage so they don't, you know, fall in love. They could self-sabotage to create quote-unquote control so they feel safe um, or like things are under control, whatever the situation is. When people have a fear of abandonment, they can keep playing out the same story so that they are not surprised by things, so that they keep feeling like they have control. And even though they'll sit here and say, but I really want a real relationship. I want a relationship. I'm like, I know maybe you do on some level, but you're also still so petrified. It's an and. I know you want that. And you're also still so petrified on some level of being abandoned. So you keep playing out the same dating story to avoid like so that you can be like oh there we go there we go there we go to stop you from falling in love you'll kill it right before it happens right you'll kill like you'll stop dating the person right before you fall in love you'll sabotage it or whatever so that you don't get fully abandoned because you've fallen in love with them and then two years in you're absolutely heartbroken it is like a safety mechanism if that makes sense so she keeps killing people as a safety mechanism so that she can avoid that feeling of abandonment. Think about it. She killed Natalie before he could leave her for Natalie. He had to then pick up the pieces and protect them so she can keep avoiding the feeling of abandonment is all it is, right? The end. Um, the therapist is a vibe, I will say. I do kind of like it with what she was saying with some of the things. But of course, I wish that she took them through Monica modalities because sitting there and talking about shit doesn't actually do anything. Like awareness is great. Great. Like my podcast, guys, gives you awareness, but it doesn't heal you. Sorry to burst your bubble. My podcast does not heal you. It gives you a lot of fucking awareness. It makes you very aware of patterns. It can help a lot of you improve areas of your life, but it doesn't heal the root, Right. Talking about shit doesn't heal the fucking root. Monica modalities heal the fucking root, okay? 
<sighs> so the therapist, a vibe. She was she was cool. I liked what she said about the sex and the marriage and all that jazz. Um, with like it being it's it is work and you have to choose them every day and blah 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 and it's not easy all the time. I like that she normalized that and I liked that a lot of a lot more TV shows are normalizing that relationships do require like intention and commitment and showing up and effort. But obviously with therapy, like it's just talk therapy, which is why nothing actually got resolved. Like they were aware of their childhood wounds of abandonment, which was great. But did they heal it? No. Um, because they kept acting it out. If they healed it, they wouldn't be acting it out anymore. They would actually start to feel enough. Um, okay. And then maybe to end on this part one. Yeah, I'm going to end it on this. And then I'll leave you guys for part two. Or maybe, yeah, part two. Um, I cannot fucking believe that they put fucking COVID in this. Like, I'm sorry, it ruined it. Like, don't put fucking COVID in the movie of like, you know, we all came back from COVID, like living, whatever they were fucking saying about it. I was like, seriously, like it was just fucking lame. I honestly was just like, that is effing lame. And, it, but it, you know what it does? It makes COVID seem like a really big deal. Think about it. All the wars were in big movies. All of like the industrial revolution is in the movies. So if they put COVID in the movies, they can make it out like it's this huge fucking deal where the whole world just dropped dead. Well, guess what? The whole world didn't drop dead. I am not gaslighting the people that died from COVID. It is horrible, X, Y, and Z. If you look up the numbers, the same amount of people have died this year, except there's been no fucking flu cases or car accidents or I'm generalizing blah, blah, blah. But everyone's died from COVID. How interesting. There's been no cancer patients, no heart attacks, but all COVID. Anyway, if you look up the amount of deaths, it's actually the same. Okay. So that pissed me off about COVID. Just fucking ruined my mood about the whole thing. And then they put fucking measles in it. I mean, that was just like, I literally like don't even know what to say about that. I honestly was so stunned. You know when like you're so pissed off and flabbergasted about something that you like don't even have like an emotional response to it like you can't even talk about it that's me that's honestly me I can't even talk about it um and then when they were saying fucking anti-vaxxers getting people sick and then she killed the fucking guy that didn't vaccinate his kid they missed a really important piece of it right so remember their son um Henry got the measles, but he's been vaccinated. And we don't know whether Joe was vaccinated because remember, like he couldn't remember. They didn't have like his vax, his vaccination, um, what's the word, history at school on file. So like, we'll just leave him out of it. But Henry was meant to be vaxxed and then he got measles. And then she was blaming it, Love was blaming it on the kids, the girls that had measles that weren't vaccinated from measles. And the father came in and apologized and was like, you know, we just believe that like our kids' immune systems are there for a fucking reason. And I will second that. That's what I like. God gave us immune systems for a fucking reason, people, or whatever you believe in. I don't actually believe in like Christian God, but like I just say God because it's like the saying, you know what I mean? Like God helps those that help themselves. Whoever made us or whatever made us gave us a fucking immune system for a reason. 
if we were meant to get jabbed every 10 seconds because our immune systems couldn't handle something, then guess what? We wouldn't have fucking immune systems. Anyway, and I'm not saying that some people are immune compromised, so like, like vaccines help them, whatever. Yes, I'm, gonna, I'm generalizing, blah, blah, blah. Come at me. Honestly, don't give two fucks. Anyway, point being is, um, is, and then she fucking kills the guy. Now, the key thing they missed in this, like I just laugh when I think about this, is, but if Henry was vaccinated, then he shouldn't have gotten the measles. Or if he was vaccinated and he got the measles, it would have been a really mild case because vaccines are meant to protect you. Although the CDC, I think it's the CDC, has changed the definition of vaccines, which just fucking says it all. They used to be that they would protect you from getting the disease of whatever the disease was, right? Now they've changed it and that they support your immune system in fighting it. I'm like, isn't that interesting? They've changed the definition. <sighs> Bizarre. Anyway, point being is that pissing me off. And then she fucking kills the guy. And there's all this fear, like, what's the word? There's all this fear being implanted in the show. And as I was sitting there watching it, I actually even noticed my body having a little bit of a fear response around me not wanting to get vaccinated um, and not being like a heavy vaccine obsessed person. Like I honestly couldn't give two fucks about vaccines. Um, I even noticed my body a little bit having this like fear response. And a lot of people would have had it of them then feeling bad and like I need to get vaccinated for COVID even if they don't want to because I don't want to be killed and I don't want to kill children. They really, really played on it and they did a good fucking job of it because I even noticed the response in my own body. Now I'm very aware of my bodily responses. So obviously I don't buy into it, but a lot of people aren't aware of it. And then it just becomes a subconscious programming. So they eventually would just go and get it because this fear would be so beneath the surface, but they'd be able to like feel it, it would, but they wouldn't be aware of it, that it's come from a movie, if that makes sense. Um, so they would go and get the vaccine because of the subliminal programming from the TV show, if that makes sense. So yeah, um, that's great. I, that just fucking pissed me off. Um, and I honestly couldn't see that as anything else, but fear planting in our minds and persuading people that were on the, on the, on the edge. Like they weren't sure about whether they were going to get vaccinated or not. Just push them over the edge because they don't want to be murdered and they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to get kids really sick and nearly kill people, nearly kill a child. And they don't want to be killed. That's what it fucking was. Like that was just disgusting. Like the fact that someone was literally being killed for their health choices is what that was. That's, that's what that was. Now you've got to think about it. How many people used to be killed? Think back to all of the previous times in history where people were killed for their choices and not, they weren't killed for cheating on someone. They were killed for believing in a certain thing. They were killed for, well, I guess now not getting vaccinated. They were killed for their skin color. They were killed for their religious beliefs. Mm -mm -mm. Am I painting the picture for you? Hello. Thank you. The end. Um, so that really pissed me off of like, oh, cool. So now people that are 
choosing a different health belief are going to be murdered. Fabulous. Love that for us. Love that for us. Um, Anyway, on the note of vaccines, you guys have sent me so many fucking DMs asking me about what I'm doing, blah, 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 in New York. Honestly, I'm not really talking about it very much because you can just use your brain to like figure it out, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It doesn't take a, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out how to get around it. Um, But what I will say is I've been looking into them a lot more. And um, I don't, I I didn't mention this in the vacation episode that I did about like the shedding and everything because I wasn't aware of it at the time, but like the Pfizer vaccine is the new technology, but AstraZeneca isn't. AstraZeneca is old technology. I think Johnson and Johnson too, um, is old technology, which basically means it's an, it's the injections that we got for like it's the same kind of, um, vaccine that we got for like measles and, um, chicken pox and whatever when we were kids, that is not the DNA altering vaccine. So just like for any of you guys that are like on the fence and you feel like you do actually kind of want it, but you're scared about the DNA altering, maybe look into the AstraZeneca one. Um, because like personally, I would feel a lot safer. Like I've had plenty of vaccines in my time. Some of which I didn't fucking, I wish I didn't get, but I was a child. So I didn't know any better. Um, like I got the HPV one that has the, um, polysorbate 80 that causes ovarian, ovarian dysfunction. So fucking vibes. Um, so obviously like it's totally up to you. I don't, I'm not like really, really one way or the other, especially when it comes to the older vaccines, but I'm very anti like this new technology that doesn't make my body feel very like, like my gut just like churns when I think about it. Um, but when I think about like an old technology vaccine, I'm kind of like, Oh, I'm very indifferent about it just because that older technology has obviously been around for a lot longer and it's not like DNA altering. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a, it works a different way in your body. So that is that. Um, all right, guys, I will bring you part two. And if I, I think there'll just be a part two. I think it'll be a part three. I will bring you guys a part two about you next week. And I hope you all have a lovely day. New York tickets will be opening on for my immersion. Yay. Three days for next year. I'm so fucking pumped. We'll be opening on November 16th. So make sure that you're on the wait list. So you don't miss out because there are limited tickets. Um, do not forget that the man is currently open for enrollment for any men that want to join. If you have any questions about a lot of you just don't know which program to do. And I always just say, guys, just literally DM me here are my issues, which program. And I'll just tell you much easier than you have to fucking fuss around with it and figure it out yourself because I know there are a lot of programs on there but all for a good reason okay thank you guys for listening have an amazing day I'll talk to you soon bye